lovely notes of Giuseppe Verde. Meantime, for another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio at the highest level. Frank Cravello here with you, and glad you've clicked on and gotten stuck in with us. Uh, very recap heavy. We're going to get through what was a crazy uh, match week 11 slate. Uh, here to break that down with me is co-host Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How's the weather over there? How's the weather? Cold. <laughs> yeah, it's cold and rainy here. Winter's winter's fast approaching. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just there's 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 no getting away from it. It's just uh, it, it, it you know it, I, there is getting away from it. You could move, but uh, yeah. but I'm, I'm, still... I'm, I'm happy the heat's gone. That's all I'm happy about. <laughs> You're happy the heat's gone? Yeah, I hate the heat. Ugh, I'm a cold weather guy. You're a cold weather guy. I would never say that. I'm a I'm a I'm a room temperature guy. That's <laughs> so fair enough. Twenty eight goals to, to at least keep us warm here this weekend in Serie A with another game remaining. What a yeah. boring league Serie A is, huh? Boring, boring, yeah. boring. I mean, it's just it's the the one thing though you do have to question, and and I, I you could lose I could lose some friends, but uh, you know by asking this, but. There's also some really bad teams in here that that are contributing to the high goal totals. Yeah. Just, they're just they're just awful at, at playing calcio. So, um, you know, so that's one of the things that uh, you have to take into account when you're, you know, when you're evaluating all of this. So, um, but nonetheless, we've got uh, match week eleven to break down for you. We will have a quick, uh, uh, you know, with each uh, breakdown, we'll talk about what each team did uh, in midweek and match week ten. Uh, we uh, took to Twitter again and said, do you have questions for us? And you have questions. We're going to give that its own segment this time um, so that the questions don't get lost in the shuffle. And then uh, some critical uh, games here in the uh, on the continent for Serie A teams here on match week four in the Champions League. We'll break those down as well as the uh, uh, look at the fortunes of the uh, three teams in the Europa League. So, uh, pretty wide open slate. It's going to uh, we're going to start the discussion with the match of the weekend or the an- most anticipated match of the weekend. Uh, the first game on uh, Saturday, which was AC Milan hosting Juventus. Uh, Milan looking like the ship was uh, steered back in the right direction with a resounding 4-1 victory at Chievo. Uh, you know, at midweek. Uh, Juventus themselves coming off a 4-1 win over Spal at home. And in fact, Juventus very prolific in their last two games, having scored 10 goals, a 6-2 thumping of Udinese, followed up by that 4-1 win over Spal. Uh, Juventus obviously having a lot of momentum. Milan hoping to have gotten themselves on the upswing. Uh, a very important game for very different reasons. Milan need to get back into contention for those European places. Juventus trying to keep pace with Napoli. Uh, and the game began maybe a little bit on the cagey side, although it was Milan that did enjoy a little bit more of the possession, uh, creating some crosses, generating a few chances. Uh, but in the, the 23rd minute would be the reason why Milan are struggling so much uh, and Juventus getting back to their standard. Gonzalo Higuain, yes, the standard. Uh, world-class strikers come up in games like this, Richard, and uh, can talk about uh, defending or who's to blame here at Mil- uh, Milan defensively, but uh, another one where you just you put your arms up in the air and say, great goal. Yeah, I mean, when uh, 
when a guy who has a shot like that is left even just a, a, a you know for a, a millisecond you know by himself he'll make you pay um Milan don't have a player like that and Juventus certainly do in Higuain um that's uh, that was a great shot just like nothing you can do about it no not at all I mean if I you know I mean I don't even know if this is really splitting hairs here but if 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 it was if the situation was reversed and that was a Milan striker and that was and Romagnoli was say Chiellini a shot doesn't even get off you know Correct. Chiellini is the and and that's the difference between the class of players that Juventus have and the class of players that Milan have at this point okay there is no way a Giorgio Chiellini allows you to have that shot okay i thought great goal by Higuain but i thought Romagnoli was just casual enough to allow that shot to happen. It's almost like he um, didn't respect him enough to, he said, ah, oh, you go ahead, take a shot from here and, and give him, you know, he didn't close him down like he should have, like Keelene probably would have. Um, too much respect for him. Too much respect. Indeed. Indeed. And, uh, you know, it set the, you know, pretty much set the tone for how this game was going to be. Resourceful Juventus showed up uh, at the San Siro. Milan, uh, once again, establishing a little bit more possession, trying to generate some chances. Thought they had the breakthrough uh, when Ricardo Rodriguez is, uh, cross just before halftime was uh, was headed on by Hakan Chalanolu. Nikola Kalinic is in free, but his shot hits off the uh, off the uh, crossbar, uh, bounces back out. That was huge. That uh, that near miss by Kalinic, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and, and again, it's 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 what Milan will lack, was lacking all game long. It's that clinical finishing. Um, they've been close. They got close. Kalinic came close, like he did with that cro- with that crossbar effort. But um, yeah, if, they, if he had scored that, that could have changed the momentum of the game. And it would be one nil at halftime to Juventus. Uh, Milan still trying to generate some possession, still trying to get forward and create some things. Uh, a Loss of possession, Juventus going on the, the other way on the counterattack. Uh, Gonzalo Higuain is played in, uh, does a very nice little move to catch Ricardo Rodriguez off balance, and then he does this. Two nil to the old lady. Gonzalo Higuain is back to being the standard uh, just on this performance and uh, a milestone for him, Richard. Yes, yes. Tell everybody what that milestone was. You don't know. That's why you're asking me to tell. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You're supposed to have all of this, isn't it? I know, Um, I know. (laughs) Higuain had his 100th Serie A goal. I would have thought he had more than that by now. I, I thought he had 100 just with Napoli. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, good lord. Um, but no, that was Gonzalo Higuain's 100th Serie A goal. Um, good for him. Uh, great time to get them, get get it, giving Juventus some breathing space uh, here from Milan. Uh, Milan make a couple of substitutions to try to shift things. One uh, injury related with Ignazio Abate. Uh, some tactical shifting as well. And then uh, the head scratcher for me, Andre Silva doesn't come on until about 15 minutes left in the game to partner Kalinic. Um this game ends Milan nil, Juventus two. Let's talk about Juventus first here, Richard, okay. as they're the winners here. Uh, like I said earlier, this was uh, this was resourceful, Juve. This wasn't the uh, dynamic attacking Juve of the last couple of games. Yeah, this game really fit into what Juventus likes to do. Um, Juventus are like to play non-aggressive, basically, and let their opponent come at them and then play on the counterattack. 
Um, yep. And Milan played right into that. They, you know, they were very aggressive. They had their opportunities, but you know, Juventus sat back and then caught them. Um, those two goals that Iguain got were beautiful. Um, it was just uh, Juventus being resourceful. Juventus. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't like a a dominating two nothing win, but it was two nothing nonetheless. Right. I and mean, Milan had slightly more of the possession in this game. They yeah. had a. Yeah. They had. They had more shots. They had more shots on target. Interestingly enough. Um, you know, so they generated just a little bit more than Juventus did. But this comes down to the fact that, and this was my summing point um, for Milan fans, Juventus have Gonzalo Higuain and we don't. Juventus have Giorgio Chiellini and we don't. Um, you we know, have, But we have Kalinic, though. Oh, God <laughs> damn it. Pardon me. Sorry, I took the Lord's name in vain on this podcast, and I apologize for that. But, geez, uh, we're going to get to – I want to get to that in a little bit. But let's be a little more focused on Juventus. Okay. Um, you know, uh, all the plaudits for Iguain, but uh, Giorgio Chiellini, brilliant brilliant in this game. Uh, largely had Kalinic in his back pocket, although in reality that's not very hard to do. Um, also, I think very underrated in all of this was um, Daniele Rugani. Yes. Finally gets to play a big game against a big opponent. Yep, and he showed uh, why, why he belongs. Yep, and he showed why he belongs. Somebody finally listened to me getting pissed off. Why isn't Rugani playing in these games? And then you put him in, as luck would have it, you put him in against my Milan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in the first half, he made a very key save when uh, Kalinic shot the Buffon save, went right to Chalhanalu, and he went for a header, and Rugani was right there to clean it up. Um, yep. That's the kind of player he is. He's in right place, right time. Um, it's good that he played next to Chiellini, and finally they they benched Barzali, benched Benatia. Um, it's good Rugani's getting some time because he deserves it. He deserves to be on the national team. Uh, it was an assured performance for Murugani for sure. Um, you know, and I think that, uh, you know, it was a Juventus that you typically see when they're in an away match. They seed possession. Uh, they defend in numbers. They don't give you anything. Um, and uh, they went back to their old ways and they came away with a big win. They executed their game plan better than Milan executed theirs. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it's really what it came down to. And they just, they have the couple of players right now that can make the difference that Milan simply uh, don't have. Yeah. So when Milan lost her striker and Baca, Baca is a lot of things, which he's not. A, he's not a a great player, but he's a clinical striker. Milan, when they lost him, they didn't replace him with anybody. And you know, Iguain, he's somebody who he may not need that much, that many touches, but when he gets those touches, he'll finish them. As you saw with the two goals, beautiful goals. Agreed, agreed, absolutely. And um, now for the Milan side. Wait, wait, it's, if uh, we're, we're ever going to talk Milan, I'm going to need a beer here. I've. I, right. I I already cracked mine open in in preparation for this conversation. I've got <laughs> one down. I'm getting ready to knock down another one. So, there we go. um, oh boy, you know, I, I, let me let, let me go on my rant here first, and then I'll let you. Please do. I'll let you fill in. Okay, Gianluigi Donnarumma, and this is going to be an Alexi Lalas like rant for for uh, American soccer fans are going to be very familiar with this. Although I, I don't think this is going to compare to what Lalas did in the U.S. national team, but but here I go. Gianluigi Donnarumma, you have the money, fine, you have the contract, all right, be the presence now, okay, demand it from your defenders, demand it from the players in front of you, okay, and more importantly, yes, both Higuain's goals were great, but you should have saved the, you should have saved the second, there's only one place Higuain could go with that shot, so let's step it up, I know you're only, the, 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 he's only 18, doesn't work for me anymore, you got a big boy contract, you want to eat at the big boy table, you got to handle yourself like a big boy now. Okay? 
Alessio Romagnoli, same thing. Time to be a man. All right. Blow up Iguain and don't let him shoot on that first goal. All right. Um, to all the new signings, Lucas Belia, I never liked it. Well, I shouldn't say I never liked it. I, I was weird about it when they made the decision to sign him and buy him for $20 million. Is it $20 million for a 31-year-old midfielder? Weird to me. And I, I said that. And, and I said that in the summer. Go back and look. I said that. I never rated Nikola Kalinic. And Vincenzo Montella either loves him so much or Nikola Kalinic has compromising pictures of Vincenzo Montella to the point where it, it can compromise Montella's marriage. OK, or <laughs> or his personal life or, or, or something to that effect, because I don't understand how this guy gets games. You scored two goals against Udinese. Woo. Great. Everybody's scoring on Udinese. OK, get him out of there. Andre Silva's the guy. Stop giving me this. He needs to adapt to the Italian game. You know how you adapt to the Italian game? You play games. All right. You give him Italian games. All right. You don't sit him in training and hope that he can pull it off or hope he can do something. All right. Time for Andre Silva to lead the line. And that, that's the future. Go with it and let's go from there. Okay. Hakan Chalanolu, very technical, very brilliant player. Take control of things a little bit more. Dominate things a little bit more. Take things by the scruff of the neck. Don't just be a midweek player against the scrub European team. All right. Show that you can do it here against the big boys. Ricardo Rodriguez, brilliant technique with that left foot. Start showing that you can defend a little bit. You're a liability back there right now. Um, Frank Kessie, it's got to get consistent. It's just got to get consistent. There's great games with them, and then there's, oh, dear Lord, what was that? You know? Uh, am I leaving anybody out, Richard? Barini? Barini? Barini's been fine. That's the crazy thing. Got him for $6 million from a relegated EPL team. He's probably been the best out of all the new signings. Yeah. You know? It's just, it's, in, it's insane to me. He's played so well um, that I actually won him on the, on the starting 11. Yep. He's showing heart. And finally, Vincenzo Montella. Montella out is starting to grow with me. <laughs> it is. It's starting to grow with me. My only hesitation for not doing it is because I truly don't think anybody can come in right now and do any better. It would be a Stefano Pioli situation with, like with Inter last season. Get a little bit of a burst and get a little bit of momentum, and then towards the spring, that novelty will wear off and the team will struggle again. That's what I would see with a change in change in leadership, a change in man, change in management. All right, um, play four in the back. Stop this three in the back bullshit. You're putting square pegs in round holes. All right, it's Musacchio and Bonucci. Those are your two center backs. Until L- Alessio Romagnoli wants to defend like a man, it's Musacchio and Bonucci, and go forward with that. Rodriguez on the left, and. Patch it on the right. I don't care. If, if, if Barini's willing to play right back, let him play right back. Okay? If, if Abati can be healthy after the injury, you know, let him play. You know, we'll see how Calabria is. I know that uh, – I know at least he was in the stands um, for the game sitting next to Bonucci. Okay? Play a 4-3-3 so that Belia can be in that deep-lying Regista role and do the deep-lying playmaking. And that he's not sitting next to somebody or he's only occupying half of a, you know, half of a field, with, you know, width-wise. All right? Um, and let's, let's get after it with Andre Silva being the striker. Okay. Get back to four, three, three, forcing a three man defense just because it's cool and it's trendy and other teams are doing it is not le- is not yielding any results against these big teams. Let's take our chances. Let's go four in the back. Let's go four, three, three, and let's be the team that overachieved last season. Last year's players aren't better than this year's crop. They're not. 
and took last year's team and finished sixth. So, you know, it's time to it's time to change it. It's time to experiment. It's time to do some different things. All right, Montella out. I understand it. I I'm starting to be okay with it. I also don't think, but I also don't think anyone coming in isn't going to make a difference. I really am. I'm not convinced of that, and that's going to upset a lot of Milan fans. But that's just the way I feel. And Bonucci, be a be a captain, be a leader as a player, not just in the words that you say. Okay, the little huddle with everybody against Skendia in the Europa League qualifier was nice. All right, but now carry that out on the pitch. Richard. Well, well done, well done. Uh, so let me touch up on some of the things you said. Uh, first, uh, you didn't mention that some some of the Milan fans are trying to say or put Montalivo in. No. No. No way. He's not better than anybody who's messing up right now, so no on that. Montella, you know, look what he did on Wednesday. He played a 4-3-3, and look, they won. They actually looked comp- you know, um, look like they knew what they were doing on defense. Yes, it was Kievo, but 4-3-3 is what the guys know 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 how to do well. That's what Montella does well. Stop, like like Frank said, don't try to you know go with the trend. Just be your own person. Did Saki ever go with the trend? Did Cruyff go with his own trend? No. Nope. They set the trend. You know, do do your own thing. Um, you know, I agree with you about Kalinic. You know, I said from before we got Kalinic, I said if we're not going to get like Belotti or a top class striker, then keep with the young kids with Silva and Crotone. You know, Crotone comes off the bench. Let Silva start. Let him play because he has a talent. And he can score. So I agree with you. You know, Kalinic. Well, I, well, when they signed him, I was like, okay, fine. I mean, he's, he's a player, but he's not what someone I would have picked. Um, Barini, he's been a, a, almost a revelation just because how bad he has been. And then he comes to Milan and he becomes one of the hardest working players on the team. He's almost like a Mario Mandzukic in a way. Not, I'm not saying he's Mario Mandzukic. I'm just saying the effort that he gives. Uh, his, he puts a heart and soul out there. He works pretty well out there with Chalhanalu or, or Ricardo Rodriguez on the left there, or if he's on the right, you know, uh, Abate, whoever's there on the right back wing. Um, Let me jump in on, let me jump in on Barini real quick. We did have John Solano on several weeks ago and remember what he said about Barini. He said, um, you know, watch out for this guy because coming back to Italy, he's going to be rejuvenated and he's going to be excited about playing again. So, and it's showing and it's showing. Yep. Yep. That Um, was on our pod. That was on our pod. That's right. (laughs) We had it here first. Yep. Good job, John. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, yeah, Cassie needs to step up. He's been way too inconsistent. Um, just like you said, Belia, I am one, I did like him when he came here, but he's not living up to this 20 million hash, or what is it, 30 million, um, price tag. He's gotta, he's gotta play a lot better. Um, I don't know if he's trying too much or what, but he's gotta earn that check now. Yeah. And that defense, they just gotta get it together. Romagnoli, like you said, he's gotta, he's gotta play better, a lot better. And Donnarumma too, you know, you, you asked for this big money, you got your, you got your, uh, your boy over there, you know, you got you the big contract. Earn it now. You should have saved that second one. Um, like I said, there's only one place Iguain was going to go with that shot. You should have been there, easily swallowed it up. Yeah, uh, you had some decent saves against Paul Dybala in the game, but you got you're you're also far far too inconsistent. The, the whole team is inconsistent. Even the veterans like Bonaventura is not playing up to standards. Um, Suzo is like the only one really, other than Barini, that's playing you know playing very consistently, playing playing well. So I mean, the whole team needs to step up. And you know, like you said with Montella. You know, everyone say Montella out, and you said you're starting to you're starting to swing a little bit, maybe possibly. Um, I just told somebody before we went on air that it's not as hard a no as it was a week ago for me with Montella right. out. Before I was right. like you're crazy, no. Now I'm like uh, no, because I'm with you. I don't think anyone can come in and, and play 
and and do well with the team right away it would be a, it would be a process. Uh, I think Montello is the best right now for the team, but it's it's not a solid solid no as it was a week ago. Yeah, it's um again, I who's going to come in and you know, I look at what happened with Inter last season with Stefano Pioli. Okay, they got a jolt and they started contending and then everybody on Inter got sick of it and Pioli got shown the door before the season even ended. You know, um, I have that kind of concern uh, with, with, with bringing in somebody new. Yes. Um, <clears throat> my concern with Ancelotti, and I stated this, I think, a couple weeks ago, his habit over the last several years is working with veteran champions. This is, you know, aside from Pelia and Bonucci, this is a young team. Does Ancelotti want to do that? You know, um, if he even comes back to managing at all, he's, <laughs> he's, he's rather old now. So, or he's been, he's 60 now, isn't he? He's, but he's up. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's up there. So how much longer does he want to do this? And does he want to take on a project with a lot of young players? That's the other thing that you have to think about. It's not that easy to say, Oh, well, Milan have money. They can go get Ancelotti now. No, it's, it's, it's fit. And it's the right manager and the right temperament that can carry the team. So, um, it's, you know, and then for him to go to the papers and say, well, an 100 million euro striker isn't coming here because we're not in the we're not in the Champions League. Well, last year, Manchester United spent 100 million on Paul Pogba and we're in the Europa League. So that dog doesn't hunt. Yeah. Um, you know, they just, you know, that, you know, and, and I'm sure they're talking about Andrea Belotti. Um, they didn't work hard enough to get him. So and, and, and maybe it was because it was just fiscally unreasonable with all of the other players they brought in and still having to take care of. Elliot, uh, you know, and the caution of what if we don't qualify for the Champions League, this is a really steep expense for us kind of thing. So, you know, I can appreciate from the business side of things that maybe those factors came into play. But don't sit there and say that he's not coming because of Champions League football. He's playing for Torino right now. If he wanted Champions League football, he would have already left. I thought so. I thought Zlatan Ibrahimovic would never go to Manchester United because they didn't have Champions League. And he went there. Um, mm-hmm. So it, a striker will go where he wants to go, whether they have Champions League or not. You make him the yep. offer. Right, right. Totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. So, um, so that's you know that's that that's our Milan uh, telenovela, uh, you know, for the week. <laughs> and I don't think we're gonna. Ha- I don't think it's the last one. I think we'll have a few more of these. And uh, well, let's get back to making this a Serie A pod. What do you say? Let's let's do. All right, let's get. Okay, that was uh, Milan Juventus. Your reaction on the game? Go to at Serie A. Sit down on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, let's uh, jump into the rest of Match Week 11. All right. Match Week 11 it is, and uh, there was another game there on Saturday. Richard, why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, it was Roma versus Bologna. Roma came into the game with eight changes from their midweek game uh, against Crotone, where they won one nothing. Um then they faced a very attack-minded Bologna team. Uh, Bologna actually came off a 1-2 loss, a narrow loss to Lazio in the midweek. Um, the, the changes were an improvement for midweek for, for Roma as the team looked you know, more fluid. They created a lot of chances. Uh, specifically, they had mobile midfield uh, and they had really dangerous play from the wings uh, on both sides. Um, scoring open in the 33rd minute off a Lorenzo Pellegrini corner. Pellegrini con il destro profondo verso il secondo palo arriva El Sharawi! Che gol! 
palla di Stefan El Sharawi, Roma 1, Bologna 0. Stefan El Sharawi with an oh my god, what kind of goal was that? Oh man, did you see that volley? Beautiful that volley. Was- that was something that makes me keep breaking tasteful things that he's not a Milan player anymore. That was one of the dumbest things that uh, Galliani ever did in the close of his um, <clears throat> in the close of his reign in Berlusconi and in the close of his reign as owner. What a way to score a goal on your 25th birthday! I wish I could score a goal like that any time in my life, let alone my 25th birthday. Yeah, you know the birthday narrative always uh, always pays off, doesn't it? It does. Um, after the goal, Stephen El Sharawi, you got to say that three times fast. Um, he held up uh, Carl's Drop, Rick Carlsdorf's uh, jersey after the goal. Um, for those who don't know, during the midweek game against Crotone, uh, Rick Carlsdorf tore his ACL on his Roma debut. Um, that tear is Roma's actually 12th since 2014. Uh, do you think that's a little bit more of a bad luck for Roma, or is there more to it? I. Uh... You know, I think uh, we'll 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 um, we'll uh, reference John Solano again. I heard him, I saw him going to Twitter about this as well. And uh, I, there is something wrong with how these players are being trained and how these players are being pre- prepared um, over there me of at the Eternal Lab City. For those years, you know, with with, with um, Pato and all the, all the guys kept getting injured. It's like they're forcing. I don't know. It's just something's not right. Yeah, how they're doing things. For me, it stops being a coincidence after three yeah. in that time frame. They got twelve, um, and that's that's. I'm assuming that's that inc- that that's both of Florenzi's incidents. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's um, yeah. It stops being a coincidence after three. Mm. Well, you know, back to that goal. That was in fact the only goal needed in the game. Game ends one zero. Um, this was a pretty even game throughout. Chances both ways. Bologna looked very, you know, Bologna had their chances. Um, Andrea Poli looking good. He looks rejuvenated back at Bologna. Um, Frank, you know, Bologna, they're starting to show me that they're, they're better than we thought. Um, they, they're, they're playing much better than what I expected, better than you expected, I'm sure. Um, do you think they can keep a top 10, top 10 place? I think it's going to be difficult. Um, I think with Bologna, I think in the end, you're going to look at, I mean, I mean, just look at the, Right now, if you look at the top ten in Serie A, um, they're, they're they're not in maybe the order that all of us predicted and that sort of thing. But this is the top ten that holds serve. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Napoli, Juve, Lazio, Inter, Roma, Sampdoria, Fiorentina, Milan, uh, Torino, and Atalanta. Yep. Okay, I, those are your ten best teams in Serie A, and they just happen to be in the top half. So. I think it's going to be awfully difficult overall for, for, for Donadoni's men to finish, you know, to be in the top 10. What they have going for them is that there are the, there are five teams, at least five teams in this league that are just so god awful that, you know, they're going to be 11th, 12th, 13th in that range at the form. If they can somehow sustain the form that they've shown, they've, they've not been a pushover, uh, you know, this season. Um, and they've made life difficult for just about everybody they've played. So. You know, I don't see a top 10. I don't see a top 10 for them, uh, you know, but I certainly see the top part of the, you know, the bottom half of the table. And I think that they'll be happy with that. This win for Roma makes it three wins in a row. And Bologna, after having a three-game win streak, are currently on a three-game losing streak. Yeah, but uh, when you take a look at who Bologna played in that stretch, uh, they had Atalanta yeah. in there, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, when you evaluate Bologna in a three-game losing streak. Um, you know, it's not like evaluating Benevento 
in their 11 game losing streak. Um, you're, you're looking at the quality of the opponent that they've played against. And I mean, Atalanta, Lazio and Roma, I mean, they're not going to beat any of those teams. They can hope for a, they could hope for a point, you know, the home game against Lazio, which, you know, they came close to close to getting. Um, but that's a murderer's row for a team of Bologna standards. I mean, I think that they'll be happy with the fact that, Hey, we, you know, we can compete with these guys. Now we just got to go into training and find that little extra to get the win. Um, they got Crotone next at home uh, here on, on uh, I believe that's on Saturday. And then uh, when they come back from the break, they travel to Hellas Verona. So a chance for them to get themselves back on track a little bit and pick up some wins. So let me ask you this about Roma. Are you there? I'm here. Yeah. Um, is Do you find – I mean – there is a stark contrast between Di Francesco's tactics and Spalletti's tactics, isn't there? Yeah, um, and it seems that you know the Di Francesco's tactics are starting to work. I mean, they're really working now. I mean, he, their team has been hot, both in both in Champions League for the most part, and you know, definitely in Serie A. They've been one of the hottest teams, if not the hottest team in Serie A, uh, since that little Inter debacle. Um, yeah, the guys are playing really well right now. I mean, I I I thought it would take a miracle to get uh, Jekko to be, keep scoring at the pace he was before, and he's pretty close to it. Not having Salah and losing all the guys that they did in the summertime, um, the, all the new guys that are playing, they're just the way De Francesco has it. He's he's tactically getting them in the right place at the right time during the games. Um, knows when to push the buttons, knows when to let you know, let back a little bit, and let the players dictate things. Um, it's something that that wasn't happening with with Spalletti. Um, maybe it was a little bit of uh, an ego thing with Spalletti. I don't know. Uh, maybe so. Di Francesco is so young, new at this. Well, not really new at this, but you know, he doesn't have the ego that Spalletti does. Um, he can compromise with the players and figure out what the best best move is for the for the game. Um, and it seems to be working thus far. And look at their last three wins. They're all. I mean, their last. Yeah, their last three. They've won three straight in Serie A, and they've all been by one nil. Yeah. Um, this seems to be a more tactically astute Roma. Yep. Than what they had under Spalletti, and dare I say, dare I say it, ahead of their big game against Chelsea, does this Roma team have a spine? And right now, it appears they do. I mean, they're they're holding leads. They can hold a one nothing lead in the past. They couldn't do that. Um, it's curious to see how he does against uh, Chelsea in this next game. Because uh, if he pulls uh, pulls off another fantastic or even better performance than they did at you know Stamford Bridge. That's that's impressive because that's something Spalletti would never Spalletti could never do. Oh, um, it's uh, it's impressive to see what Di Francesco has done so far with this Roma team. Like I said, I don't think the 87 points of last season are sustainable, but certainly can put themselves in a position to, um, you know, have an impact this season and fight for one of those Champions League places. And it seems the only player right now that's not really responding well is uh, Gregoire Defrel. Uh He's been having you know. Not that great performances, but it, it goes unnoticed so much, you know, with all the, the all the good stuff that's going around in Roma. People don't notice him, but he's he's very unnoticeable in games. Um, so you would think you'd need to put someone else in his place to to maybe get a little bit more of attacking style uh, in the game. I know they had so many changes from the midweek game, so maybe you know not having him in there is probably a good thing. Let him try to readjust to being with the you know from Sassuolo to Roma. Right, right, absolutely. Um... It's uh, how about the other side of Rome? Let's talk about them a little bit here, huh? Oh yeah, yeah, Lazio. They kicked off the 
Sunday slate of games. Uh, they were just before the uh, string of multi-calcio games uh, at Benevento. Uh, so it was their turn to uh, slaughter the lamb of Serie A, if you will. Uh, and, and, and slaughter that they did. And the fun started with uh, a defender who, gosh, with the way he's scoring, he should be a striker. Bastos again, and I want to say, Bastos might have as many goals as Benevento has. Yeah, uh, he's up to three or four now. Yeah, if he has four, that's as many as Benevento. I I know he's I know he has scored a few, but he gets in there on those uh, he gets in there on those set plays, and he's a guy that you definitely have to be careful of. One guy you really got to be careful of, and the rest of Serie A better start taking notice because man, this guy just continues to score. Ciro Immobile with goal number 14. He is the first striker in the history of Serie A. He is the first player in the history of Serie A to score 14 goals in the first 11 games of a season. Wow. Just wow. I mean... Really, really not your daddy's Serie A anymore. <laughs> no, not your daddy's uh, Serie A player for sure. I mean, with all those goals, my goodness. And that takes us to the uh, Ciro Immobile uh, pace uh, the goal pace. We have the Napoli goal pace. We'll continue to do that. But here's the Chiro Immobile goal pace. With that goal, he is on pace to score 48 goals this season. Wow. Wow. So, uh, which would by far be a record, obviously. Yeah. Um, and Gonzalo Iguain was he 36, <laughs> I think? 36, 36. Yeah, yes. 36. So, uh, Goals, uh, the, a third from Adam Marusic, uh, making it 3-0 to Lazio. That's how it was at halftime. Uh, a bit of a consolation for Benevento. Ashraf Lazar uh, scoring in the 55th minute. It was Marco Parolo scoring in the 76th minute. And then Nani uh, turning up and getting a goal for Lazio in the 86th minute uh, to give uh, the Bianca Celeste a, five, a resounding 5-1 win over Benevento. I should point out, Benevento were seconds away at midweek from their first point of the season, and Pavoletti turned up for Cagliari and scored a goal at the death to have Cagliari beat Benevento 2-1. I think that... Gut punch. Terrible gut punch, so maybe... This against Lazio was inevitable for Benevento, Richard. I mean, we, 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 we know what Benevento is at this point. I don't want to get too carried away. You know, Roberto De Zerbi has a massive task on his hands since getting hired there. Um, but, uh, you know, another one from Lazio, they just keep rolling, and they're on 28 points now. Uh, 31 goals in those 11 games. They're scoring, they're scoring with the big boys. They're trying to hang with the, uh, the likes of Napoli and Juventus. Uh, the Lazio threat is real, isn't it? Yeah, we're going to have to – I know we have a Napoli tracker. We might have to get a Lazio tracker because they're scoring goals in bunches this year. And uh, with Immobile leading the way, my goodness, it's going to it's becoming a fun Serie A. Hopefully when they, these teams play – these high-scoring teams play against each other, we get high-scoring games. But, you know, uh, it, it's happened a little bit. So, you know, hopefully it keeps going. Yeah, it does. Um, you know, and then Benevento has just been uh, – you know, I think they're just going to be the whipping boy all season long at this point, the way it's uh, – you know, the way it's playing out. But I, I think it was a perfect storm considering, you know, Benevento having that heartbreaking defeat at midweek to Cagliari, uh, Lazio, uh, you know, surviving Bologna and really in a good run of form. Uh, this was, this 5-1 result was inevitable. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. 
Yep. Moving on. Moving on, yes. Uh, Crotone against Fiorentina. Crotone was on a four-game winless streak coming to the game. Uh, during the midweek, they, as we mentioned earlier, they lost one nothing to uh, Roma. Um, on the flip side, Fiorentina came in on a three-game win streak. Uh, midweek, they actually beat Torino three nothing, which was an impressive win there. Um, unfortunately, no magic for Pioli's men this weekend. Uh, the home team enjoyed a flying start with goals in a one-minute span. First, Ante Budimir in the 17th minute. And then a minute later... Marcello Trotta with a lovely breakaway goal to double the lead. Um, just before halftime, Marco Bonassi pulled one back for La Viola, uh, the 44th minute to be exact. Um, but, you know, the hosts were able to hold on, sir, for, to get all three points. A, a shock win for Crotone over Fiorentina. Um... The loss sees Fiorentina, you know, remain or stay in seventh place, while um, Crotone move up to fifteenth place. Frank, this loss uh, for Fiorentina is this more of a setback for for uh, Pioli, or is this a blip on the radar for them? Yeah, a, a little of both. I think we talked about this, um, and I, when they had the away defeat at Chievo, I mean, with a team that is really building a lot of young players. Uh, you know, clearly not the level of talent that they've been accustomed to over the past couple of seasons, uh, that results like this are going to be inevitable. Going away and, 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 and losing a match or even dropping points, you know, against an opponent that you would otherwise consider inferior. You know, um, that's just what this reeks to me with Fiorentina. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, this will be, this is going to be learning curve stuff for them. You know, this defeat away at Crotone, the away defeat at Chievo, in the process of becoming a better team. You know, we had Chloe on a few weeks ago and discussed, we thought that the second half, when the calendar turned to 2018, that life was going to get a little bit better for Pioli's men with the track that they're on. In the process, you know, these kind of disappointments are, are, are going to happen along the way. It's just the mark of a rebuilding team. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Definitely. Absolutely. Did you break out that Cartoni jersey after the game? <laughs> I brought it out for the Sassuolo game. We'll talk about that later, though. Well, Marcelo, Marcelo, Marcelo Trota is what they, you know, hope they got when they had, you know, they lost. Obviously, Falcinelli went back to yeah. his parent club, Sassuolo. Yep. When they got Trota, they were hoping they had their next Falcinelli. Uh, and I think that this is his first goal this season with Cartoni, if I'm not mistaken. Um, if not, it's his second because uh, he hasn't popped up much. He's so, been doing well as of late, which is good for for him. He's finally maybe getting getting into it with the team and finally um, finally gelling with his uh, his fellow forwards. And the thing that's working for Crotone, and we 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 tip him for relegation, but there are enough bad teams around them yeah. that they've that they've got a shot to stay up again. And boy, what a you know you know for a club their size, what a story that would be for them if they could if they could survive another season. So yeah, yeah. Um, you know, no doubt about it. So. But no, congrats to Crotone, a huge win for them. Fiorentina, I mean, I think they this is just going to have to be what they're going to have to live with. Um, you know, these are the growing pains of, uh, uh, of of a team that's clearly rebuilding under Stefano Pioli's watch. So, but uh, Benassi in his new position has seemed to do well because he's been scoring scoring as of late. So at least you got that going for you. Has more of an impact for sure, yeah. uh, most definitely. So, um, you know, definitely, uh, definitely good to see from there. It's definitely a, a promising. A uh, young Italian midfielder. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you. Happy to see that. So, um, jumping into the next one, we had Napoli playing host to Sassuolo. The leaders uh, 
coming off, you know, getting back on track is, is probably the best way to put it with, uh, with their win at Genoa. Uh, Sassuolo, in the meantime, continuing to labor through this season, uh, you know, to me, very surprising considering some of the talent that they still have available to them. Uh, but Napoli, as you would expect, would get on the board first. It just came from an unexpected source. Confronti di Mertens da parte di Acerbi, poi il pasticcio clamoroso di Sensi e Alan sblocca il risultato al 22esimo. Alan getting the goal for the Partenopei to put them ahead 1-0. Uh, but just about 19 minutes later, that uh, former Crotoni Loni made it interesting. Andrea sfidare Kirik, se l'uno contro uno. A well-worked goal that saw Diego Falcinelli on the finishing end of it. Well, uh, again, well-finished. Uh, that made it 1-1, but their Sassuolo's joy was short-lived. That only lasted about three minutes as Jose Callejon popped up. A rientrare, Callejon! Pallone che passa! Non interviene consigli! 2-1 for Saudi's men. That's how it would be at halftime. And just shortly after shortly after halftime, about 10 minutes later, uh, corner kick for Napoli and uh, a little bit of fumbling around and redirecting. And uh, you don't want to leave a ball with an open net for this guy. Teso, che diventa buono per Albiol. La deve solo spingere dentro. Dries Mertens. And that's exactly what happened. Dries Mertens with one of the easiest goals he's going to score all season giving Napoli the 3-1 win. So with those three goals, uh, we go to the uh, Napoli goal tracker for the season, and we <laughs> see that they are on pace to score 110 goals okay. uh, this okay. season. So that is, that's come up a couple goals since we last recorded, Richard. Good. Um, so, uh, Alan, uh, it's awesome when you see somebody playing as well as him and he's not – relied on to score goals but then he pops up and gets a goal it's always fun to see absolutely if, if for, for teams that are, are battling for the scudetto you need to have your unsung heroes to score every now and then too it can't just be your your workhorses um so it's good to see alan score um you know when i saw that goal i for a second i thought it was off sides but uh no it wasn't uh and it was a good goal um was it, did it come off his chest or what how do you score that I, I, I'm still trying to figure it out. I, he might have an extra body part that the rest of us don't have, uh, which is why he probably plays so well. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, man. Um, but no, it's, uh, you know, great to see him score. And then you get the usual cast of characters. Here's the thing about Napoli. It's it, the, the goal scoring is a lot more spread out this year. Yeah. Um, it's not totally Merton's dependent. That makes Napoli more dangerous, doesn't it? I agree. I agree. They they have that way. If you know when they're playing an opponent, especially if it's a, a, a higher quality opponent, they won't just be focusing on Mertens because you have other guys who can who can score. I mean, Zelensky almost scored at the end of the game. Uh, it was a save by the by the keeper. But like you said, they're, they're getting goals from everyone now, and Mertens is still scoring. So that makes him so dangerous right now. So um, yeah, look out. That's why all these goals that keeps getting you know, scoring more goals this year, obviously because they have they can just spread the wealth and it, teams just can't focus on Mertens anymore. No, exactly. Um, you know, Lorenzo Insigne has been in terrific form all season long. Matakamchuk is playing well, Jorginho. Um, and then you go to some of these other uh, midfielders that they rotate in and out. They're very good. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's certainly a, a, a very strong uh, mix of players. and They're all capable of popping up, especially with the way that Napoli play and the way they go forward. So, um, you know, as for Sassuolo, I – 
I'm hard on them. I expect more of them, but this is this is expected. You go to Napoli, you take your you you, you take your three goal concession, and you 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 get out of there. So it's really what it is. And amazingly, they sit on they sit on uh, uh, eight points, and they sit seventeenth. Uh, just six goals. They're these they're tied for the second lowest scoring team in the league. They've got Matteo Politano. They've got Falcinelli. They've got Berardi. Doesn't make sense. What's going on over there? What do you think's going on over there? <laughs> no goals is what's going on. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if these these strikers are trying to do everything by themselves or they they're just not sure how to play with each other. I don't know what's going on. It's it's mind boggling that you have the the caliber of strikers that you do and you can't even get. You only have six goals. That's ridiculous. I agree. It's they all, uh, and they all recently just scored. So I mean, it's maybe maybe now they're starting to get into it. But still, you're losing a lot and you're in that relegation battle. You don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Oh man, it's just been uh, it's been it's been it's been interesting what's going on over there, uh, and not in a good way. So, speaking of a uh, relegation battle, um, <laughs> Spal played Genoa. Um, you know, in midweek, you know, both teams suffered losses. Um, Spal lost heavily to uh, Juventus four to one, while Genoa they actually looked like they had a pulse, and they like you just said recently, just a couple minutes ago. Uh, they lost three two to Napoli. That was they, they gave Napoli everything they could, you know, they could in that game. Um, but this match was played at the Paolo Mazza and Ferrara, and uh, we saw plenty of fouls, thirty eight. We saw a lot of cards, seven, um, and a lot of shots. We had twenty one. Um, unfortunately, there was only one goal. Mirko Antonucci in the fifty sixth minute saw Spal jump ahead. Um, that win, that goal gave you know Spal win one nothing. They jumped to sixteenth place while Genoa slide to nineteenth place. Frank, are you still convinced Genoa can escape relegation this season? I I, I, I feel bad for Genoa. Uh, th- this result flatters Spal. Um, you know, and now you're st- seeing stories that uh, they're talking. I think the, uh, the the backroom staff at Genoa, I think, we're going to. We're spending Sunday deciding uh, Ivan Juric's future, yeah. uh, which the, the I mean, let's just call Genoa the most snake bit team this season at this point. Um, I mean they've they've been in games and they're just on the wrong end of them. Uh, it's it's really the way you take it's it's really the way you take this. Um, they've um, they've got some they've got the pieces there to 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 be better than their 18th place position. Um, you know, they've scored 10 goals. They've, they've conceded 17, which is obviously going to be a problem. But, you know, snake bit again by this fall team who, I mean, this is a battle of two really pesky teams, yeah. two teams that are fighting to remain in Serie A again next season. So, yeah, you're, you're looking at this and saying, um, you know, you know, something's going to give between these two teams. I actually thought this would be a goalless draw when I took a look and saw that this was being played on Sunday. So, yeah. Um, that I thought both teams would be happy with the point, but it was Antonucci that that popped up and scored the goal. Um, you know, Genoa is just an awfully snake bit team. But how about Spall now and, and Antonucci in a play? Antonucci appears to be a player that they can rely on to to, to pop up and score for them in some critical moments. Yeah, thirty three year old is being rejuvenated and uh, he's getting goals now for them. So you know, it's good for Spall for sure. Still a country, still a country for old men, huh? Yeah. Speaking of old men, what, what, I haven't heard Borrello's name at all. Has he been injured? I, I haven't heard his name. It's in the score sheet in a long time. Yeah, they relied on him, didn't they? Um, yeah, yeah. And it hasn't uh, it hasn't happened. Um, 
you know, if it's uh, just adapting to new surroundings or, or, or what you have to go through for those first couple of months. And, you know, he did, he did arrive at Spall rather late. Yeah. Um, true. You know, it's not like he had a full preseason to acclimate with who is around him and all this other stuff. So, and I think it's hardest for strikers and central defenders in those, in those situations, um, you know, or even playmakers, uh, you know, playmaking, attacking midfield types. I mean, I can only be reminded of how, I mean, ultimately throughout his time at Milan, Keisuke Honda just did nothing yeah. or next to nothing, but especially those first two months were brutal. Um, so, <clears throat> uh, so I think that's the, that's the issue with Bordiello here. Eventually he's going to pop up and give Spall what they were hoping for when they brought him in. Uh, but, uh, but right now, yeah, it's, it, it hasn't been very good. Has it? No, no, not at all. Um, yeah, I don't know what's going on with them, really. I don't. All right. Well, I'm about to get to a game here where I think you're going to cover your ears. So um, <laughs> we had Sampdoria against Chievo. Sampdoria uh, took it on the chin at Inter, although fought bravely to try to rescue a point. Chievo, as we mentioned, uh, beaten savagely at home by Milan 4-1 at midweek. Uh, and apparently they like losing 4-1 because that's exactly what happened again here this week. Uh, and the fun started, man, this guy's on form, Carol Linetti. Pallone interno, Quagliarella si gira, tiro deviato, Linetti! Carol Linetti, 1-0 Samp! The Polish international put the Blukarati on the board first with a 1-0 lead. And speaking of players on form. Torreira in porta! Lucas Torreira! 2-1 Samp! Il capolavoro, su punizione, dell'Uruguayano! Lucas Torreira, wow. What a, and we talked about Alan, and now we got Lucas Torreira. So the midfielders who have been destroying things for opposing teams are now popping up and getting the goals. It was that weekend for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just before halftime, how about another one on form? Caprari in avanti per Raquagliarella, si muove Zapata, pallone per lui! Duvan Zapata, 3-1 Samp! Duvan Zapata in the 44th minute. I should mention that this was 1-1 before Torreira scored. Fabrizio Cacciatore did score for Chievo in the 24th minute. Uh, but it was 3-1 at halftime, and then in the 84th minute, that man Torreira again uh, getting a unlikely brace and giving Sampdoria the 4-1 win. Um, this is this is Sampdoria now, Richard. They're talented players from strange places and fun Fun, fun to watch, especially at home. Yeah, this team, they, they're learning, they've learned how to win now, and then now they're gaining confidence. Uh, this was a back-to-back games with four goals uh, for them. They're uh, they're on fire in that, I mean, the players they have, the young players, the older players, the whole team, they're just on page together. Giampaolo's got these men, you know, in the right mood. Hopefully they can keep this pace throughout the season. Um, hopefully they're not peaking too soon, but uh, they're playing lights out right now. They're, they're a team that no one wants to play. Yeah, definitely agree there. I think, uh, um, you know, just uh, – and, and Lucas Torreira, and we'll, we're, we're going to get to him here in a little bit, but uh, him scoring. But uh, how about Carol Linetti? I mean, I think they're, they're just finding some gems. They move on from players. They bring in players. And, and yeah, most, people would, most people would think, oh, they lost Sheik, they lost that, you know, nothing. But, you know, guys like you and I, the, the, the rest of the guys from the preview pod, we had, um, you know, Laura, Mark, and Blair, you know, other guys. Anyone that was in the know said, hey, Sampdoria is still going to be a thing. Yeah, and they're, they're showing it. They're ahead of schedule, and they're, they're playing really, really well. They're making us all look smart. Yep. Kievo, as advertised under uh, Rolando Moran, 
going to try and score goals and not really going to care about how much they give up. Yeah, there'll be a mid-table team that is going to make entertaining games to watch because there'll be a lot of goals. Whether it's yeah. or against them, there'll be goals. Yeah, if you're looking for a neutral watch, uh, anything with Kievo on it is is definitely the is definitely the way to go. So, uh, another win for Sampdoria, and that keeps them in sixth on 20 points with a game in hand. Uh, among many others, Roma's in fifth. That's that game in hand. Sampdoria hosting Roma. Uh, gosh, I, w- when are they playing that? I can't wait to see those two hook up. Oh, me too. Me too. So, all right, that's the only one that's missing from the uh, full eleven game. Well, we have a game going on on Monday, but anyway, um, you got Udinese Atalanta for me here. Yeah, Udinese and Atalanta. Um, Udinese played a host. They came off. Uh, Udinese did come off of a, a win actually in the midweek against Sassuolo. Uh, but it seems everybody's beating Sassuolo these days. Um, Atalanta were on a three-game win streak coming to this game. Um, during the midweek, Atalanta, they, they beat Hellas Verona's 3-0. Uh, that was actually a lot of goals in that game. Uh, Hellas looks poor, but we'll get to them later. Uh, <laughs> it was the visitors who opened up the scoring in the 29th minute through a Rafael Taloy pass who found Yasmin Kurcic to give Atalanta the lead 1-0. Uh, just before halftime, Rodrigo DePaul leveled it uh, off a spot kick. Um, as I said, 1-1 at halftime. Uh, this game was in desperate need of some magic, and we finally got some in the 68th minute. Barak, limite del Lara. Barak, calcio di sinistro! Mette il pallone nell'angolino. L'Udinese ribalta la partita. Antonin Barak, what a player he is. With an individual effort and a strike to the lower right-hand corner, saw Udinese march into the lead. Uh, 2-1. Um, Barak is a special player. We've mentioned him before when we when we focus on Udinese. Um, talk a little bit about you know what you see from him and, and even the goal that he scored. Um, how special is he? He's going to fly under the radar because everybody's going to talk about Jakob Janko and, and yeah. uh, Seiko Fofana and Rodrigo De Paul. Um, but he's a good player. Uh, he's a he's a box to box guy. Um, you know he's got the ability to blow things up. Uh, and win tackles and intercept passes and, you know, do some of that engine room stuff that you, that you need from your midfield. But then he can also bring it going forward as he did with the goal. So, um, you know, he's, like I said, he's going to fly under the radar because of some of the other players. But this is, this is Udinese. They just find those gems, you know, and they, and they plug them in and get, and they get it done. And, and today it was Antonin Barak and, uh, you know, another player that had, you know, had been showing some promise and finally popped up and, has a goal to go with that, uh, go with that promise and go with some of that hard work. Absolutely. It was a week, it was a week for hardworking midfielders to pop up and score goals. Look at this. You had Alan, you had Toretto with a brace, and now we got Barak. It's pretty, pretty good. It's good to see the, the, the underdog get a little bit of goal or the, the hard worker on the team get a goal. Not, yep. not just, not just the talismans, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, Antalanta were, were, were trying hard, you know, to get that equalizer. Uh, and then in the 85th minute, they were, they were awarded a spot kick when Maxi Lopez fouled, uh, Brian Crisante in the box, I believe it was. Um, and upstep Brian Crisante to, to take the kick. But, Albano Bizarri saves the shot and the game. Um, <laughs> another save penalty in, the, in this league. Udinese win 2-1. Frank, have you ever seen so many penalty kick saves in a season before? It seems like every week it's a goal is making a save. It's uh, I don't know what I don't know what to put, I don't I don't know what to attribute it to. If you take a penalty kick, you have a ninety to ninety five percent chance of scoring a goal. I know the ball <laughs> is two this season. Uh, I mean, guys are just missing left and right, and they're being saved. They're not like just being missed wide. They're being saved. Yeah, I mean, 
Uh, If they're getting cute with it or, you know, if we've got penalty penalty kick takers overthinking it. Um, You know, when I was when I played, I was taught by coaches penalty kicks. It's real simple. Um, Before you even walk up to the ball, know exactly where you're going with the ball and don't change your mind. Don't overthink it. Don't look at the goalkeeper and say, well, maybe this isn't a good idea. Stick to it's a it, 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 there is a little bit of, of mental strength involved with yeah. with with making penalties, okay. But that's the biggest thing. Know where you're going. Stick to it. No matter what the goalkeeper does or says, he might moon you uh, before you take the kick. God forbid. I can't wait to see if that actually happens. <laughs> so, <laughs> how funny would that be? Oh, be <laughs> just hilarious. goalkeeper I, just randomly just decides to drop trow and just say, "Yeah, hey, hit this." <laughs> <laughs> I saw something maybe not as funny as that, but um, it was a game. And I don't remember what league it was. It was some lower league where it was actually in the tenth round of penalty kicks, and it was goalie versus goalie. The goalie takes a penalty kick, hits off the crossbar. The other goalie runs off, celebrates. The ball bounces and then bounce back, bounce into the net when the goalie left, and the team won. <laughs> I have never seen that before. That was that was crazy. But you know that's. Uh, that's soccer for you, football for you. I don't know, man. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, I mean, there, there, there's, there's, there's some mental strength involved with 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 taking penalties. You got to know where you're going, and you got to stick with it. That's just that would be my advice to uh, penalty kick takers. Yeah, and don't shoot at the goalie. Shoot it at the corners. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So, but uh, this is what you're going to get with Udinese. They're going to turn up and and get a result against teams. Yeah. That you wouldn't expect it from. You know, Sampdoria, they be you know they win here. It's uh, helter skelter with them. The teams they should win, they don't, and then yeah. the teams that you're not you're not expecting them to do anything, and they come out with a win. So, and then these are going to be the kind of points they get that keep them in that twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth. Agreed. You know, position throughout the season. So, you know, as for Atalanta, you know, a little bit of a setback. I think they've got their mind on qualifying for the Europa League as fast as they possibly can. I agree. I think um, they're focused on Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah. Thursday for Europa League. But they did this, you know, they did this again, and it's Apollon Limassol, and this is not, you don't have to rotate players before that. I mean, it's just, I, I don't want to be disrespectful to Cypriot football followers or anything like that, but I mean, it's Apollon Limassol. Yeah. They're not good. Atalanta just went to Udinese, they just dropped points, you know. I mean, if you're trying to maybe get that top six feeling again, you know, you can't drop, you can't drop these kind of points. So, um, you know, that might be something that Gasparini will continue to sort out as he goes. Um, or maybe he's just, you know, saying, Hey, this, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to put our stock in the Europa League this year. And we'll probably be about an eighth or ninth place team in the, at the end of the day after match week 38 has been played. And, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll say good times to that and good times to maybe getting to the last 16 or the last eight of the Europa League. Cause I don't think they're, I don't think they're fit to win the Europa League as good as they are. So, no, no, not unless they get like a massive hot streak, which I don't see. No, I don't. I don't see it either. So, um, uh, you know, just uh, you know, a little baffling with what they're doing with some of the rotation and kind of the policies with what with the way they're doing things. But it's clear to me that Europa League is a priority at Atalanta. Uh, you know, clearly explaining the three points or the nine points that they're on through three games. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, rounding out the Sunday slate. Uh, the match at the Olimpico Grande Torino uh, between Torino and Cagliari. Uh, Torino had not gotten a shot on goal in their last two games, including that midweek disaster at Fiorentina 3-0. So Mihailovic looked at Andrea Belotti and said, just put some mud on it and get back in there. 
which is what they did. Andrea Bellotti returned uh, for the Granata to take on a Cagliari team that, uh, uh, you know, certainly leaking their share of goals this season. Like we said, Cagliari, what do we say? We Leonardo Pavoletti uh, basically tore Benevento's heart out and ate it in front of them <laughs> yeah. with that 95th minute winner at midweek. And uh, now we've got the matchup here that rounded out the Sunday night. And the goal, the opening goal came from the away side and came from that promising young Italian player. And that's nice for Varela. What a counterattack. Talk about Swift. Adding to the run of Workmanlike midfielders uh, popping up and scoring goals. Nicolo Barella getting Cagliari in front by a goal to nil. Uh, but that joy would be short-lived as 10 minutes later. It's been spotted. It's Ansaldi. Oh, what a good ball. And it's 1-1. So unselfish from Ansaldi. And it was Iago Falke arriving at the back post. Iago Falke in great form for Torino, equalizing at 1-1. That's how it would be at halftime. And a stroke of genius at, uh, by Mihailovic. He brings on Joel Obi for Afri Aqua. And guess what happened? Still, still could be a chance yet. Oh, it's in. Joel Obi off the bench and onto the score sheet. 66th minute, Joel Obi scores to give Torino the win and ultimately the three points. Um, <clears throat> a lot of talk, uh, you know, in the press afterward or kind of before or in the buildup about uh, Mihailovic's job security uh, surrounding this game. And, and both Urbano Cairo and Mihailovic kind of poo-pooed it. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I know when we did the preview part, I thought, you know, Mihailovic's job could be on the line because I just don't see – I don't like the way he, you know, his team's play consistently-wise. But um, – I, I even I, even right now I don't I think it's it's nonsense. I mean they they have their star player was injured. I mean give him a break. I mean if if give him give him some time. Give him at least a, let's let's see where they're at, at. You know come Christmas break. Um, and then you can reassess from there. But it's it's still too, I think Mahalich is doing a fine job there. Um, they need to work on their defense. But other than that, I think he's doing a fine job. Doing, I mean it did wonders with his substitutes today. It made him look like a genius here. So. Uh, hopefully it's just uh, Poppycock and he's not going to go, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, I don't know who's available, who could who could pick up and do better than he is right now. Only on the Serie A sit-down can you hear consistently wise and Poppycock in the same take. That's well right. done, Richard. Well That's played. Right. <laughs> <laughs> One for the record books there, that's for sure. Consistently wise. I guess, but that was good. No, it's so <laughs> Sometimes you, you you never know what I'm doing over here when I'm taking notes on you here, Richard. Sometimes I'm either <laughs> yeah I agree with this or like you know you just said something I got to call you out on. So <laughs> so uh, no good good for Torino and yeah Mihailovic is I mean he's he's doing he's doing great for what he has to work with. I mean it's, it, it it really is what it's all about. So uh, and Diego Lopez uh, in his first two games got the win over Benevento. You know, showed some bravery on the road. I thought Torino was going to run riot in this game. Uh, considering Cagliari's, uh defensive issues that they continue to still have. And I actually thought this was going to be a much more open game than 2-1, uh, considering both teams' you know, inability to defend or their issues defensively. And I think Torino has, yeah, I mean, the 3-0 loss to Fiorentina, but they only lost 1-0 to Roma. Yeah. I thought this was going to be an open 3-2, 4-3 kind of game. Um, only but, Torino, uh, Torino come to play. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. And I think that, uh, you know, it... it uh, it, it didn't turn out that way, but still gave us a good one. And 
you know, like I said, Nicola Barrera, add, add that to the list of, uh, you know, work, workhorse midfielders that are popping up and scoring goals this week. It was a week for the, it was a week for the center midfielder, Richard. Yeah, no, good for them. You know, all the hard work finally pays off and get some goals here and there. So it's nice to see that they all got goals this weekend, it seems like. Mm, indeed, indeed. And, uh, uh, so the table shows this. Napoli still in the lead on 31. Juventus and Lazio on 28. Inter on 26 with a game on Monday. They could jump into second with a win at Verona. So let's jump into that game. Uh, Inter at Hellas Verona. Um, Inter coming off that uh, some some pretty impressive back-to-back wins, winning the derby, um, you know, and then following that up with. Uh, uh, they had that win at at home against Sampdoria, and I think they had a win somewhere in between there too. Um, you know, without looking, I'm looking at Verona's slate right now. Uh, Verona, you know, showing some bravery, coming from behind to draw Torino, beat Benevento, uh, lost three two in the derby to uh, Kiev before getting it handed to him against Atalanta. So now they're home against Inter. Um, I, I I see only one result in this one, Richard. Oh yeah, unfortunately I do too. It's gonna be it's gonna be a little bit of a slaughtering, I think. Um, I think it's gonna be too much for them. The you know, the wing play, the the forward that they have, uh, their defense is actually fairly decent right now. And Hellas has nothing has nothing to offer. Um, I could easily see a four one game here for Inter. Yeah, the one in between the Milan win and the Sampdoria win was the nil nil draw at Napoli. Uh, uh, just to just to kind of get that uh, get that corrected, but. Uh, Inter on an unbeaten run. Verona starting to show some signs of improvement, but this is a yeah. I don't know if it's going to be four one. Um, you know, I think it's going to be kind of one of those. I'll say three one, but you know, it's not going to look great. But it's going to be three points, and they're going to win three one just because of who they've got. And you, know, you got guys like you know Icardi and and Perisic and Candreva up front. Um, and Candreva is an excellent form, very much under the radar too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, a lot of the attention will always be on Icardi, be on Perisic to an extent, but uh, don't forget about the Italian winger uh, in this setup. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, Verona are playing a little bit better here throughout this process. Obviously just got destroyed by Atalanta. Um, but, I, you know, you, you say 4-1, I'll say 3-1 to enter. Ultimately, they're going to end up being in second. Um, two yes. points behind Napoli. So, um, but uh, that's our that that's our wrap on the match week eleven slate, including the preview with Verona v Inter. Your thoughts? Go to at Serie Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. All right. Before we get into our uh, European preview for the week, we're going to answer some uh, t- some questions on Twitter. Uh, I asked, I said, hey, I, we're recording tonight. Tweet your questions. We'll read them on the pod. So uh, we'll start with our good friend and uh, one of our leading guests, uh, appear, one of our leading, uh, uh, our leader, our tied for the lead in guest appearances, Mark Neal. Uh, he asks two questions. One, will there be any technical, any more technical problems? <laughs> uh, or two, do you consider inter-serious title contenders? Well, one on the uh, technical problems. Uh, Richard is our technical director, so you would have to direct that question to him, not to me. <laughs> uh, we did. Do, not. We, hopefully hopefully not. not. We did do a little test recording prior to this, and it sounded like it was okay. So you know, fingers crossed. Um, 
Second, do you consider inter-serious title contenders? I'll let you uh, tackle that one first, Richard. Um, based on current form and how things are looking right now, I'm going to say yes and no. So I think they can keep up, keep pace with the leaders. Uh, ultimately, do I think they can, they can challenge Napoli or Juventus? No, because I think those teams are a little bit more well-rounded, especially defensively. Um, but, you know, Inter, they have the attacking prowess. Um, they have the possession. I think they can keep pace with them, but I think ultimately at the end they're gonna they're gonna lose out. Uh, but they'll be up there. They'll be they'll be definitely top four contenders for sure. Um, and I think they're gonna push the they're gonna help you know keep the Serie race really interesting. They're gonna put, keep pushing the other two to keep being, being their best. So um, for the for that sake, I'll say yeah, they're they're contenders. And I, I wouldn't say serious, but they're they're contenders. I mean, what they have going for them is they don't have the European distraction that some of the other teams have. Um, And we've seen that work out for other teams, uh, especially, I mean, when you look in England the last two seasons, uh, the title winners did not have to play in Europe, um, you know, so they could focus exclusively on the league. So they've got that going for them. Um, I don't take an an immense stock in it, but it's something that you have to consider. I just, you know, I love what they've got going forward. Um, I worry that that defense will eventually come unglued a little bit. It, they're playing great now. Milan Skriniar is playing great. Uh, Miranda is playing great. Um, you know, Samir Handanovic is, is, is one of the best keepers in the league. Yeah. At the moment. Okay. But he's had his issues in the past and it's only, you know, it'll take one game for all of that to psychologically turn up again. Um, you know, so, and I think in Spalletti, they seem to have some, they have a galvanizing force, at least what we're looking at game to game. But, you know, when I, I, I can't, I need to see this enter when it actually does go pear shaped for them. Because I don't think we're, I don't think we've seen that yet and how they'll handle it and how they'll deal with it. If they'll go back into their shell that they did similar to last year and in years past, or if they have grown from that. If they've grown from that, then yeah, they're right in this thing. You know, but that's the, that's where I'm, that's where I'm a little bit hesitant in really calling them a title contender. I think they're just on a fantastic run right now and I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I'm not saying that with a Milan bias. I'm saying that because that's what we've seen with Inter in the past. So, well, let's, uh, let's keep it on the inner theme. Um, Ali Thompson had a question. He says, where does Icardi rate in the world in terms of number nines and do you see him leaving anytime soon? I don't know if he'll leave. You know, there seems to be a loyalty to Inter there, don't you think? I mean, with everything that he went through with the Inter Ultras um, last year, and we 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 made that we 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 well documented that here at the Serie A sit down. We berated him too. Oh yeah, and we berated him for it, and he's still there. I mean, it's just it's a weird thing. It's he's just leading like, the team now, and I think I think they've come around full circle. The team's playing really well. I mean, I think I think I think the team has or the Ultras have gone back behind them now. I, I mean, they may not love him, but they're supporting him now, and. He's become a leader there, and he's he's yeah he's played huge in big games. So I don't think he's going to leave either. I think the thing, the other thing that you got to factor into is is his wife. Um, she likes it. She loves Italy. You know, she seems to love it there. And um, so, you know, from that perspective, I just don't see, I don't see him moving. You know, he's the captain there now. Um, I don't know. He'll, I don't think, I don't know if he's gotten things ever sorted with the ultras. Um, I doubt it. I think there's still some that will hold a grudge. Uh, but, but it's better than it was. Yeah. It's a lot better. It's a, it's a, it's a lot better environment than it was a year ago at this time. 
And I'm not thinking that he's going to leave. Now, as far as number nines, um, he's one of the best in Italy. Uh, you know, I mean, and he's, I mean, he's in the con, he's obviously at this, he's obviously at the same table of the likes of Iguain, uh, Bellotti, uh, Chiro Immobile, uh, you know, you know, he's in that conversation for sure. As far as, as far as the big picture of nines, I could put him there. Could you? Yeah. I mean, he's not, he's, uh- Leave leave Messi and Ronaldo out of this because they're their own world. Um, but if you look at Lewandowski, you look at um, Murata, who's in fine form right now. Um, all the all the big guns around the world. Abba Mayang's another one. You could put his name in there. Um, I think you know, as terms of this pure striker, he's just a little bit below them. But what he brings overall, he's right up there. If not, you know, he's he's definitely in the conversation because. While these other strikers can or maybe a little bit more clinical than him, and I said a little bit more because he can strike, he can score strike the ball as good as anyone. His his passing ability, his mobility, uh, that just brings his game up even more. Does he start for Argentina at the World Cup? Oh, that's uh, if if it was me. Oh, I mean that lineup. I mean those players they have based on form. I say yes. Well, here's the there. you've got him, you've got Higuain, you've got Aguero. Sergio, you've got Sergio Aguero, you've got. Three of the best nines in the world yep. playing for the Maria same also. playing for the same country. Oh, it's ridiculous. The yeah. is there too. I mean, such a loaded team. Papo Gomez, you got well, he's not a nine, but still the talent on that team is sick. They should win the World Cup because of talent alone, but that's not how things work. Does Sampaoli sleep well at night or does he not sleep well at night because of this? Not sleep well because <laughs> yeah. he doesn't know what to do with all this. I wouldn't know what to do with him. <laughs> you would think Messi's pulling the strings, but I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I agree. Oh man. Um, let's see here. Let's move on to the next question. Um, I want to get to this one because it's interesting, and we're kind of bouncing around on the uh, uh, on the, on the thread. But Scott Monroe asked, "Lucas Torreira, best young midfielder in Serie A." I'm going to answer this first. Flip a coin between flip a coin between him and Sergei Milinkovic Savic at this point. Flip a coin. They're both awesome. I mean, he's been, I mean, Torreira's been phenomenal, and I have a feeling he's going to turn up in our squad, but if you know what I hear in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. And is he Argentine or Uruguayan? Uruguayan. Yep. How does he not play for Uruguay? They left him out in the most recent lineup uh, in, their, in their qualifier. Why do you leave this guy? This guy is an amazing player. Um, the form he's in, like I said, other than Milinkovic, Sergei Milinkovic Savic, those are probably the two best players, and they're like, 1A, 1B. I mean, they're both excellent, excellent players. They both dictate games. Um, they score big goals. They've got big assists. Yeah, Torreira is up there, and he's he's such a he's a he's a marvel, really, how he's progressed so fast. Him and him and Milinkovic Savic both they they just leaps and bounds every week. They're getting better and better each week. You think you you think you know them, and then they do something else. You're like, wow, that goal yeah. that Torreira scored today, that screamer, the first one. Um, yeah, he's just yeah. Crazy, amazing player. I like, I like him a lot. It's uh, Oscar Washington Tabatas, who actually coached Milan for a little while back in the mid nineties. Oh, uh, nice. He's another one. He's been there forever, and he's set in his ways, and he's got his guys, and that could That's be it. But I, I, I can't see him not being there at Russia eighteen. I can't. Uh, but I, Scott, I say flip a coin between him and Milinkovic Savic, and I know you're a Roma guy, so you don't like hearing that. But yeah, but I agree uh, with you, Frank. I agree with you, Frank. <laughs> They've both been phenomenal so far this season. Uh, but, you know, 
I might n- God, I don't want to nudge them because they've both been excellent. It's just, you know, on one day, one day I can wake up and I can say it's Tereira. On another day I can wake up and I can say it's Malinka Savage. So yeah, I agree. Um, that's where I'm at. What's the next one? Uh, La Liga Gav, he's asking about Lazio. He says, Lazio, can they be considered genuine title contenders? I've watched a lot of them this season and they look really solid. Uh, you you want to go first? Go ahead. Have at it. All right. Um, Right, I mean, yeah, in the form that they're in, they're they're just as much contenders as Inter are. Um, I think again, they're going to push the the top two favorites, um, Napoli and Juventus. Um, Hinzaghi, I got to give it to him. He's got he's going to win the Manager of the Year again, you know, in our books, um, or at least for me. Um, he, I I thought Lazio were going to step back this season, and they've gotten better. Hinzaghi uh, is pushing all the right buttons. Immobile is on the form of, any, of everyone's life. Uh, really, he's like he's scoring at, at at paces that you know, like Ronaldo, Messi can score right now. Can he hold it? We'll see. Um, the midfield, Milinkovic Savic is you know he's brought so much to this team extra than what they had last year. They they don't miss Kate the ball day what one bit um, because of Milinkovic Savic and and or you know losing Bilia too. Um, the, yeah, Luis 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 Alberto in there too. That's yeah, he's another good player. I mean, they they got players all over the place and Parolo's you know scoring and. Uh, Strakosha is having a fantastic goalkeeping year. Um, they're making Marchetti's name not even worry about. I mean, why do you even worry about him? Because you got Strakosha net. He's been solid for them. They're a good team front to back. Bastos, the wingers are playing, scoring goals. Um, yeah, for all the players that they lost, now they're playing even better than they did last year. I, I, I for sure think they're con- they're contenders, not serious, but they're contenders for the for Scudetto. How about you? I'm still concerned about their overall depth. When we start getting into January and February and when those – because they'll qualify out of their group in the Europa League at this point. Um, and when those fixtures start to pile up and these guys have started to log a lot of games and start to – you know, when that fatigue starts to set in, that's where I'm going to start to worry about Lazio. I'm not worried about them now. Uh, I think they can sustain this in the short term. In the long term, I still have my concerns. I think they've been fantastic. I think Simone Inzaghi has been fantastic. Um you know, and, and on all of the players that you mentioned, Adam Marusic, uh, another guy, um, you know, who's who, who's popping up against some runs. So, um, yeah, we we thought this was going to be this team was going to be a problem, and they were going to have their issues, and and certainly not. It's it's been, you know, they've they've hung in there and they've stayed right with it, and they're they've matched Juventus on points here through the first eleven games. It's it's pretty good. Yeah, um, you know, it was staying on Lazio real quick. You know, do you think? Lazio, I mean, um, Chiri Mobile was man of the match this week. Uh, he had one goal and I think three assists. Uh, something, something crazy like that. Would you say he was man of the match this week? Man of the week? Was it him that said on Twitter, he said, my teammates can't complain about me not passing anymore? Oh, no, <laughs> I want to no, say I, somebody I, did. Oh, I'll have to look that up now. Oh, that's, that's hilarious. I hope so. <laughs> I, I want, or, or maybe it was a uh, Lazio uh, fan that, that, that oh, said maybe. it, but yeah. Um, yeah, he was. He was a man of the match in that game. Um, scoring, creating, uh, you know, and doing the things that he did in that game. Um, no doubt about it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, to your point, 14 goals in 11 games. That's not sustainable, you know, throughout the entire season, but it's, no. it's, let's, let's have fun with it right now while it's happening. So, um, and let's just hope he carries that form over for Italy when they play Sweden in the playoff. <laughs> so. All right, so the next question here that I'm going to jump into is, well, I'm going to ask two questions here, and then I think you've got one question here at the end. So 
this one came from at Bob Lex. Is it still Big Wayne or is he back to being the standard again? I think he's the standard. Three goals in the last two games. <laughs> you know, he's on the same he's on the same trend that he was last year. He didn't he didn't score a whole lot at the beginning of last season either, and then he started to pick it up. Um, you know, and and I think he ended up having like something like twenty plus goals. But no, the, the two goals he scored yesterday, he's he's the he he showed why we call him the standard. So. Um, <laughs> I'm going to call him the standard Piguain. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't, I, he, his goal scoring is, is on, well, it's not unmatched, but it's, it's undeniable. Um, but he's still, he's not as mobile as I would want a forward to be. Um, uh, but though when he gets his, when he gets a little bit of space, he can score those two rockets he scored today, um, or the other day against Milan. Yeah. He's, uh, he's a, it's a perplexing situation with him because, like I said, he can score as good as anybody, but he just doesn't have the mobility sometimes, and teams can easily take him out of games if they just man-mark him. So I'm just going to call him the standard pig lane. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call him the standard, but I'm also going to call him fat. I'm just going to use pig lane. <laughs> so, the, fat, the, fat's, the fat's standard. So, uh, and, and, and another one here from Ad Bob Lex. How much would Lorenzo Insigne be worth? Hmm. Giving that to me first? Yeah. Uh, depends who'd want him. I know Liverpool want him and everyone else. Um, <laughs> you know, if the right team, for, if it's coming from England, like a Liverpool, um, how much would he be worth? Man, I could see them paying 50, 60 mil. Do I think he's worth that? No. Um, I would say probably like a 35 million, maybe. Uh, he's playing like, he's playing amazing right now. Um, he's, everything he touches seems to be going net or assisting for a goal. So yeah, I mean, if, in my in my mind, I don't think more than thirty five million. But if he went to Europe or to England, um, I could see easily fifty, sixty million for him. What about you? Oh, I'd go higher than that. I'd go eighty. In England I'd, or total? Total, a, 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 anywhere. You got to stump it up. You got to stump it up for him. First of all, he wants to stay at, Na- at Napoli. He wants to be a Bandiera at Napoli. Okay, um, so. Uh, you know, so you got that first and foremost, and then, uh, and then after that, you know, just what he's the, the form he's in and just what he does, you know, um, he's, uh, he's perfectly used at Napoli. He's poorly used at Italy. Italy plays him too. Italy plays him too wide. Okay. Saudi figures out how to tuck him into those half spaces where he can play off of Mertens or he can create for Mertens. Okay. The problem with Italy is the formation has two strikers. Okay. So he plays wider and, and he's not as effective. So, but if a Liverpool wanted him and wanted him to kind of, you know, work off of Firmino in that same vein, for example, 80 million to do that. Okay. Uh, you know, that's, that's just it. That's, that's, that's the quality it has. I don't think, I don't think 56, I don't think 50 to 60 is fair for what he actually brings to a club. So, but it's 80 for, you know, one, his quality, two, he's a Napoli lifer. It's going to take an awful lot of money to get him out of there. So. And I think you had a bon- you had a bonus question from Mark I, Adams, didn't you? I do, from Mark Adams. He's, he's, his question is, has Frank escaped from the cave yet? Um, well, you know, it's getting colder out now. So, <laughs> and being the fat guy that I am, it's, 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 it's going to be time to hibernate and find someplace warm. My cave's nice and warm, Mark. Um. So, uh, I, I think this is in reference to our uh, recording last week that uh, that got onto the air, and everything I said was pretty much an echo. Um, no, it's uh, it, you know I, I'm uh, 
you, you know, there's don't don't uh, don't underestimate a good cave, especially during the winter time when it's going to start to get colder around where I live, and uh, you know, and all this other stuff. So yeah, that's right. Uh, I you know, use a caver right now with all the rain. Yeah, I, my, my cave right now because I have two little kids. Uh, so it's not really a man cave. It's just a huge area for them to play. <laughs> there's one reclining chair. There's a big old projection TV that's not HDMI enabled. So when I'm ready to switch to Sling, I can't use this TV for that. Mm. Um, I don't think I can. Well, unless I find a way to cheat it somehow. But anyway, um, so that's all that's there. And then the rest of it, it's just a huge play area for my kids. So that that that's the cave. Um, but no, uh I, I'm in it now for the recording. I'll, I'll get out of it when we're done recording. So, so I hope that answered Mark's question. And if not, no, oh well, next time we'll try some, try better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I should at least sound better this week, uh, based on tests and all that other stuff. So if Mark Neal and Mark Adams, if that answers your questions, uh, just so you know. So, any more questions for future podcasts? Uh, hit us up at City I'll Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. Even if you have fun ones to ask, we'll. Yeah. Uh, we'll take we love the, interaction. We love interaction. Yeah, well, it, it doesn't even have to be about Serie A. If you want to just ask about random life, um, you know, Richard will be better at answering it than I am. So <laughs> I have no life anymore. I have, I'm home with two kids, and <laughs> it's what it is. But go to go to at Serie A. Sit down on Twitter or Instagram and uh, hit us up with some questions here for future podcasts. We'd love to answer them. Uh, let's uh, before we put a bow on this thing. Let's uh, wrap it up with the preview of Europe. All right, we have got some beauties uh, coming up here this week, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday in the Champions League. Massive game at the Olympico, Richard. Roma against Chelsea. Uh, on Wednesday, we have Napoli hosting Manchester City. Uh, we have Juventus traveling to Portugal to take on Sporting Lisbon. Um, let's start with Roma-Chelsea uh, and uh, how things are uh, falling in that group. Roma are second on five points. Atletico are home to Carabag. On, and, and they're on two points. you got to assume Atletico are going to beat Carabag at home. So this is a crucial game for Roma. They must come away with at least a point, right? Oh, absolutely. They have to because they need to keep pace above um, at, um, Atleti, like you said. Um, any point at this point of the race uh, is needed. You can't, you can't come away with a goose egg. You did, perf- you did on your perfect game against Chelsea. You played them toe-to-toe and you came away with a 3-3 game. Uh, now you're at home. Let's see what you can do, Di Francesco. I want to. I want to see that aggressive game style again. I want to see some goals and come away with at least a draw. Because if you don't, it makes things even trickier, and you have to start you know worrying about other matchups. Keep it in your hands at this point with with the one point there, and go from there. At least get one point. And if you get three points, hey, I'll power to you. Sure. Chelsea are starting to have some issues though, especially away. Conte's uh, effect not as a strong second season. Are people getting tired of it? Who knows? Who knows? But uh, they, they lost at Crystal Palace. They labored to win at Bournemouth. Um, so now they, they go from going at Bournemouth. Now they have to travel to Roma. And, and it's not like Conti rested people on, on Saturday here. I wonder um, if uh, the reason they lost to Bournemouth because they thought there was there, he thought they were playing AC Milan with those black and red jerseys. So he was, <laughs> he was, a bit, he was a, playing defensive in that game. I don't know. Well, they beat Bournemouth, so that probably explains it. He saw AC Milan and said, yeah, I can beat them. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, uh, but, uh, you know, so away have the away games are starting to be a little bit of an issue. I know they did win at Atletico Madrid. They won late. 
Um, I, I'm going to predict a draw here. Uh, a, a draw will be. I think Roma will be fine with a draw, and they will they will throw all of their chips into going to Atletico to see if they could get another point on match day five. Um, but uh, I'm going to say this is going to be one one. I don't think this is the goal fest that it was at Stamford Bridge. Uh, let's see. I'm. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a draw as well. Um, one one is probably safe to say, but I'm a hopeless romantic, so I'm going to say two two. All right, and that Juventus at Sporting Lisbon. That was actually a, that's actually a Tuesday game. Tuesday, Tuesday, I, I was mistaken. Yes, on Halloween, they travel to Portugal to take on Sporting Lisbon. While Barcelona will travel to take on Olympiacos. Uh, if you a win for Juventus and they wrap up a round of 16 place because they will have Sporting head to head. Um, I think they get the job done here, but I think that resourceful Juve will once again show up. Um, they went to Porto last season and came away with the win. They will go to Sporting and they will win. They're going to win one nil. Yeah, no, it's um, Juventus is starting to turn the corner. I think. Um, you know, speaking of, you know, their game is on Halloween. It's kind of funny that in the Milan Juve game, Milan had a Tifo with a big Halloween costume and, make, and kind of poking fun of Juventus losing seven uh, Champions League uh, finals. Um, anyway, back to this. That game. was the only good thing that came from Milan on Saturday was yeah, that Tifo. I creative. thought that was, I thought that was funny. I was the like, well, were lighting up and stuff. It was pretty cool. Well played, Kodobasud. Yes. <laughs> um, so anyway, back to this game. Um, you know, I think just exactly what you're saying, you know, the UA, you know, came up and they stepped up at Porto last season. I think they'll do the same. Uh, I'm with you with the one nothing game. Um, I don't, I don't see them if they were, they're not as dominant as they were, uh, at, you know, last season. Um, you know, especially losing, you know, Bonucci and, and Alves. Um, uh, but I think they're going to be resourceful UV, just like you're saying. They're going to, um, they'll do just enough to get the win. Um, I think they're definitely going to be more compactful and not give, give away too many opportunities. Sporting at home are very, very hard. So I think it's going to be a cagey game, but I think uh, ultimately they have the goal in them that'll, that'll give them the win. And expecting Barcelona to win in Greece at Olympiacos, that will mean, uh, the way the standings would shake out after match day four, both Barcelona and Juventus will lock up their places in the round of 16, which was, I think, what was expected all along. So, um, and then finally, Napoli at home against Manchester City. City on nine points. Shakhtar Donetsk on six points. Napoli on three points. Shakhtar get to host uh, pointless Feyenoord. Um, this is... I, I think Napoli really have to win this game. You don't want to drop points in this one and have to worry about doing some scoreboard watching on each of the remaining match days. They got a. They do. They definitely have to win. Um, like you said, if they lose, if they draw, it's still scoreboard watching, but it's not, it's a little bit more comfortable because you know. Then if you lose, if you lose, you're pretty much out. You and let me win. explain that scenario for anybody that, uh, in case you didn't hear last week's pod. You know, right now, if Napoli drop points, let's say they draw Man City. Okay, Man City's on ten points. Napoli's on four points. Shakhtar should beat Feyenoord at home, so it'll be ten nine four. Okay. Napoli will get Shakhtar at home on match day five. They win that. Okay. They still have, there's still two points behind Shakhtar going into match day six. This will leave Shakhtar, and then let's say City. Okay. So City will beat Feyenoord because they'll have them at home. So after match day five, Manchester City, 13 points. Here's the ultimate nightmare scenario right now for Napoli if they don't win on match day four. Manchester City, 13 points after match day five. Shakhtar, nine. Napoli, seven. All right. Napoli get to get to they travel to Feyenoord. 
needing to win and needing Shakhtar to fail to win, depending on what happens on match day five. Okay, let's for the sake of argument, let's say Napoli won, win two nil, so they'll have the aggregate on Shakhtar. But all right, so you're following me. Man City thirteen, Shakhtar nine, Napoli seven, going into that last match day. Okay, Man City have to go to Shakhtar on match day six with first in the group clinched going into match day six. Do you really think Sergio Aguero, Kevin De Bruyne, uh, Leroy Sané, uh, hell, even uh, Ederson are going to play in that game in the Ukraine? Not likely. Pep's taking the kids. And Shakhtar will go ahead and win that game, and it'll be Naptar, Na- uh, Manchester City first, Shakhtar second. No matter what Napoli do, they have to win this game to stay within three points of Shakhtar Donetsk. So will they do it? I have a hard time. Manchester City, I understand just from the marketing scheme. I'm going to just do the homer pick and say that Napoli are going to grind this out and win 2-1. Hmm. Yeah, it's a tough call. It's a tough team to play against, and you need to win. Um, I'm going to hope. I'm, I, I'm not going to. I'm just going to say I'm hoping that Sarri plays a more attacking an attacking game like they usually do. But don't be as conservative as you usually are in, in, in your in in Europe. Um, I hope they win. I hope they get some goals. I think they're going to go for it. And I think I'm going to hope they win three, two. It's going to be a good game. Uh, that's going to be one of the pivotal games and it'll determine Napoli's fate in this champions league. Uh, I, I do hope that they can find a way. Um, it'll be a travesty if they don't make it into the next round. It will See, be that quality, not making it. Jeez. One of the more attractive teams in this, in this competition, you know, being eliminated at the group stage would be very disappointing. I agree. Um, all right, moving on to the Europa League real quick. Uh, all three Italian teams top their group. Milan will travel to second place AEK Athens uh, in Group D. Uh, Atalanta now will travel to uh, Ap- Apollon uh, in uh, Cyprus. Uh, so that's an away game for them. Lazio uh, have a home match in Group K against Nice. All Three teams in position that if they win, and I guess make sure this is right. Um, actually, Atalanta would that would not be true of Atalanta. Actually, that would be true of Atalanta. If they all win, they all go through to the next to the next round. Um, and I'm going to say all three teams win uh, on Thursday, Richard. I think Milan today, AK Athens. Let's just remember Athens is like a second home to Milan, <laughs> winning the Champions League there in 1994. And then winning again in 2007. So uh, I like them to go and win at Ike Athens. I think they're going to get this bitter Juventus taste out of their mouth. Andre Silva's going to start. Milan are going to win 2-1 to one, uh, at AEK Athens. I think Atalanta will grind it out at Apollon. I don't think it'll be beautiful. I think it's going to be a 2-0 grind out kind of win. Uh, and then I think Nice will beat um, – or excuse me, Lazio will beat Nice. Uh, and I think that they will beat them 2-0. So – uh, those are going to be my three, and that will mean all three of our Serie A teams in Europa League will move on to the next stage. Yeah, I think uh, all three teams should win. Should win is a key word. Um, I think though all three are going to grind it out with victories. Um, all three should win comfortably, in my opinion, but I don't think it'll happen. Definitely Milan and Atalanta's case are they're not quite. Atalanta's been playing really lights out in, in um, Europa League, but. Their, their form overall is, is up and down. Um, so I, I think them and Milan are going to eke it out. And Nice is a good team against Lazio. Um, and, you know, how many players did Lazio sit from, from the weekend? Uh, it'll be interesting to see. 
Um, you know, Immobile's going to play because he played last. We thought he was going to sit last time. They played most of their starters. So um, I think, yeah, I think all three teams are going to win. I think they're going to eke out victories. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there, I think. So we got – we all agree that there's going to be uh, – we're going to go three for three in the Europa League this week. Uh, we I'm picking Napoli to win. You're picking Napoli to win. Uh, we're both picking – are we both picking draws with uh, with uh, Roma? Uh, oh, I'm going to say Roma win. You're going to say Roma win. Okay, so that's going to be the only <laughs> different result we have. We have – we have five. I have I have five wins and a draw for the uh, Serie A teams with uh, Boma getting the draw, and you have a clean sweep of wins then. So That's right. six for Homer, six. Homer call. <laughs> hopeless, hopeless, romantic for Serie A teams. You are so. Um, <laughs> So that's where we're at. Where are you at? Go to Atsidia, sit down on Twitter or Instagram with your thoughts, and that will put a bow on this edition of the Celia Sit Down. Uh, time for a Twitter check and a shameless plug. Uh, Richard, start with you. Uh, you can find me at R underscore Carmen. Um, and actually, I put, up, I put out an article this week. Uh, it should be out any moment now. Um, the article I did on a youngster in Syria. Um, you'll have to stay tuned to find out who it is, but it is a promising young player. I guarantee you that. Oh, leaving people in suspense. Look at you. That's right. That's on right. Halloween, Halloween week. <laughs> Don't do that. So, um, I'm going to, uh, in the spirit of Halloween, there will be a Calcio consultant blog and we'll be telling you about the things that scare me about Italian football. Uh, so I will, uh, be getting to work on that and hopefully get that out as quick as possible. I hopefully, I'm going to actually make our editors put mine out before Richard's. <laughs> <laughs> so and just to say based on the holiday, just do it. So, yeah, so it'll be – so that will be the uh, that will be the theme of my blog, just kind of just for a bit of fun uh, uh, and then um, and then go, for, go from there. So uh, be on the lookout for that when it gets released. Uh, so uh, each of them are going to be excellent pieces. Go ahead and read those. Go to uh, www.worldfootballindex.com for any other – uh, footballing content, just in case you don't like Serie A, um, as Richard would say. Um, <laughs> after listening us, after listening to us for an hour and thirty minutes here today, so uh, but uh, you've got that great content uh, just about everywhere you look. Uh, but uh, do give us a, um, uh, you know, do give do give it a check out. At, you know, some of the other things that might uh, be of interest of you. If uh, there's a league you're interested in. Uh, we probably have a podcast for it. So um, having said that, we want to thank you for taking the time to listen to us. As always, please be sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.